Hey, good morning, everybody. It is great to see you today. And uh, we want to celebrate a little bit today that God loves us. He cares about us. Amen? No matter what we're going through in life, no matter how things may seem in your life at this moment, no matter what struggles you may be facing, there's a God who cares about you. Now, today, I really want to challenge you to, to check your heart and make sure you know beyond any doubt that you're right with God and why you think you know that. Why do you think your heart is right with God? At the end of this message, we're going to give you a chance, if you, if you have any wonder, if you have any doubt about your relationship with God, to come down, take just a few minutes with us. We'll talk with you. We'll share some things with you that before you leave this place, you can be absolutely certain that you are right with God. Now, I'd like to invite you to stand with me right now and open your Bibles to Exodus chapter 12. We're starting a new series today talking about the game changer. In all of our life, in all of our lives, there will come times when there are things in our lives that are overwhelming. There, there will come times in our life when we feel like we are helpless and we can't do anything about the circumstances of our life. You know why that happens? Because there are times in life when things are overwhelming and we don't have any power to change things in our life. That doesn't mean God doesn't have power to change things. It means we need God. And we're going to talk about that over these next weeks of how we, how we walk in that. And, and the scripture we're reading today in Exodus is about a time when the children of Israel are being set free from overwhelming circumstances that they in their own power are helpless to change. But God has intervened for them. They have gone into Egypt with, with seven, you know, 70 strong and they are going to leave Egypt with 600,000 men and their family. It's a transformational time that happens over 430 years. Listen to what it says in Exodus chapter 12, verse 40. The time that the people of Israel lived in Egypt was 430 years. At the end of 430 years, on that very day, all the hosts of the Lord went out from Egypt went out from the land of Egypt. God's promise to Jacob was coming true. Even though it looked impossible, it was coming true. Father, there are things in our lives that seem impossible, but your promises are true. There are hopes and dreams that we have. There are our friends and loved ones who are far from you. There are circumstances in our country that, Lord, on our own, we have no power to change. But, Lord, you change the game. You transform things when we walk in the fullness of your will. So be upon us today and encourage us today in Jesus' name. In Exodus chapter 12 that we just read, verse 40, it's talking about when the children of Israel are coming out of Egypt after 430 years of being in Egypt, and many, many of those years, the vast majority of those years, they were under the bondage of slavery to a power that was overwhelming to them. Now today, as, as we begin this, this series talking about God being a, ga a game changer in our life, what I want you to think about today is uh, a place in your life or places in your life where the circumstances are just like that. They seem overwhelming or they seem hopeless. They seem like there's, there's, there's nothing that we can do about them. 
And if you, if you have circumstances that immediately pop to your mind, just write them right there on the top of your notes. I want you to, to write these down. There's some places there for you to put that. But if you, if you say, well, what kind of things are you talking about? Well, let's say you have a, a, a son, a daughter, a friend, a loved one who is just cold towards God. I mean, they just, they have no interests at all. You've talked to them. You've shared faith with them. You've, you've tried to reach out to them. And they just, they're just not interested. Maybe even they're, uh, maybe, maybe you have a friend or a loved one who's addicted to alcohol or drugs or some other thing in life and there just seems to be no way to break that bondage. Maybe you're just caught in some sin and there's no way to break. And no matter what effort, you, you invite them to things, you talk to them, but there just seems to be no movement and it feels hopeless. Maybe it's a relationship that is broken in your life and it just feels like there's nothing I can do about this. Uh, maybe it's a wound from your past. Somebody's abused you. Somebody has hurt you. Now you're filled with the wound of that broken trust, the wound of that hurt, and you can't get over it. It continues to impact your life, and you conti- it continues to weigh uh, upon your life. Or maybe you're just concerned about where America's going today. And what's happening in America today are a temptation in your life that you'd love to have victory over. I, I want to encourage you today to, to identify it. Now, maybe this is something, friend, that, we get, that we've given up on. See, this is what happens when it seems like nothing can ever change. The natural course that happens in our life is we give up. We stop trying. We stop talking. We stop praying. It's just the way it is. And we just kind of find ourselves overwhelmed and trapped. We learn to live with it. We learn to just accept it for whatever it is. And maybe we suffer in the quiet of our heart, wishing it was different. But we feel hopeless because everything we've tried, everything we've worked at, everything we've hoped for, it hasn't changed any of it. I mean, I want you to think for a moment about Jacob's family. Jacob has these 12 sons. Think about the inner turmoil of that family that brothers could get so upset at another brother that they sell him into slavery. Think about living with that thought in the back of your mind for the next 20 some years that you've sold your brother into slavery. The day finally comes when famine is sweeping through the land. And as famine is sweeping through the land, they're, they're looking for an answer to keep their family alive and the dad finally says listen I hear there's food I hear there's food in Egypt go get us some go trade for some go go make this happen and they go down through the middle of all of this and they discover that Joseph isn't dead that Joseph isn't still trapped someplace in slavery but Joseph is alive And he is number two in command of all of Egypt. 
They come into Egypt as a small family, and they live there for the next 430 years. Think about that. Longer than the United States of America has been a country. They live there. And all these years later, Jacob has come down to see his lost son. God had sent them there. We need to understand this. God had sent them there not simply to escape the famine, but God had sent this family of 70 into this powerful nation of Egypt for the purpose of setting them apart for his will. God knew if he left them in the land that they were in, that they would eventually intermarry with the people that were there and they would lose their identity as a people. He knew that they would lose their faith walk as a people. And so he sends them into Egypt where they would be put in an enclave. They would be put in an area of the country separate from everybody else. The Egyptians would naturally have a prejudice against them. And so they would literally be forced by this to be their own people. And while they are in this enclave, they grow from this small group of 70 to over 600,000 men in the next 430 years. Because of Joseph, they've come into Egypt with favor. But soon, Joseph is dead. Soon, the king who first welcomed them and was blessed by them and who blessed them is gone. And as God builds them into the nation that he's calling them to be, his unique people that he is calling them to be, over the next generation, the next group of kings that come in, instead of seeing them as a blessing, begin to see them as a threat. And they begin to, instead of welcoming them and blessing them, they begin to put them in bondage. And the Bible says it gets worse and worse and worse until they are crying out to God, and yet they are hopeless. See, sometimes when we are blessed by God, he has to send a trial our way to get us back in track on his will. And he'd send a big trial their way. The Egyptians enslaved the people of Israel. They put them under forced labor. The Bible says they were harsh and demanding and continuing to increase their load. And they were not only overwhelmed by the work, they were helpless to even think about getting set free. The Egyptians had the army. The Egyptians had the strength. The Egyptians had the power. Israel was trapped. Nothing they could do about it. To keep them weak, even to keep them weak, the Pharaoh had ordered that the baby boys, when they were born, that they would be killed. Israel's position was unbearable and hopeless. We can get there sometimes. The situation in our life is unbearable and hopeless. In Exodus chapter 2, it says this. It says, during those many days, think about that. Those many days, the king of Egypt died and the people of Israel groaned because of their slavery. 
they, and cried out for help. Their cry for rescue from slavery came up to God. And God heard their groaning, and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. God saw the people of Israel, and God knew. Amen? God sees what you're going through. He knows what you'll go through tomorrow. He knows what you'll face in the years ahead. God is not unaware of any of those things. He knows what's happening. He's watching our lives. As they began to groan unto God, as they began to lift their voices for deliverance, because, see, they were in this place where they knew God was the only answer. They, they couldn't overthrow the power of Egypt. It was too big for them. They, they couldn't just walk away. They were entrapped and ensnared. There was no way on their own power could they get freedom. The only way they were going to be free from this thing was God's intervention. And they began to groan before God, moan before God. And God raises up a man, Moses, who would begin to bring that redemption. All of this is put in the Bible as a lesson to us. And the thought of their freedom is a lesson to us. To be a people of God, to walk in the fullness of the freedom of God in a world that is broken, in a world where there's a God of this age who resists us, the only way we can really be the people of God that we need to be is we have to put our trust in God's promises no matter how hopeless it seems at the time. Look at those things at the top of your list that you've written down. In your power, if you've written the right thing, in your power, it's hopeless. In your power, there's nothing you can do about it. You may have tried many times to do something and nothing has changed. God's not unaware of it. He just wants you to stop living in your power. And he wants you to begin to walk in faith in him. We have to see him, see that the only answer is in him. See, as long as we see our ability as the answer, as long as we think if we talk enough, if we show the other person enough, if we, if we you know, do everything in our strength and you know, kind of manipulate things in our own way and, you know, we're nice enough or kind enough or patient enough. As long as we think we can answer the problem, we will not turn fully to him. It's only when we get helpless that we turn fully to him. Now, it shouldn't be that way, should it? We should just recognize that we're helpless all the time. This is what problems remind us of, is that all the time we need, need him. If we have a chance to win, if we have a chance and we take it and forget God, we're not going to win. When we are blessed and comfortable, the tendency is to stay put. When we're kind of blessed and comfortable, even, even when things are going wrong around us, we kind of, okay, well, we'll stay put. And as Americans, our tendency is to think, 
I'm just going to overcome this. I'm just going to work my way through it. But when we become desperate, I want to ask you, are you desperate? When we become desperate for change and helpless to bring change, we either give up or we turn to God. I've talked to people who've given up. I've talked to people and asked them about a son or daughter who's far from God and have said, oh, you know, nothing I can do about that. Well, are you praying? No, oh, I'm tired of praying. They've given up. They've laid it down. Got a situation. It's easy to give up. I'll tell you, it's easy to look at America today and just give up. It's a mess. Everybody's at each other's throats. Seems like our morals have been turned upside down. And if you say anything about it, you get attacked. It's easy to just say, keep your head down, keep quiet, give up. But that's why this lesson's in the Bible. That's why it's here for us. See, today, what I want to remind you of is there's a lost step in our faith today. There's a lost action in many believers' faith. In fact, I've actually heard preachers teach against it. I've actually heard preachers say, hey, listen, you pray once for something, that's all you need. If you pray for something again, that's a lack of faith. I I just wanted to, I hope through this series you get this in your head. That is not the way the heroes of faith approached God. It's certainly not the way these people approach God. See, we've lost this thought, we've lost this principle of persevering prayer, of looking at the thing in our life that needs to change and determining that we are going to seek God and bring his power to bear until it changes. The people of Israel did not just have one day of fasting and prayer and said, okay, You know, for the next however many years, we're still here. We prayed once 350 years ago. Remember that prayer meeting they had? We prayed once back then. And now, so to to groan and to pray, God, guys, if you're groaning and praying now, that's why God isn't moving because we don't have faith. No, faith is continuing to look at God. Faith is continuing to cry out to God. God heard their first cry. And yet the answer was still coming. The circumstances of their life for Israel, listen, kept them praying. They kept them praying. They kept working at it. They kept groaning unto God. They kept lifting their voice to God. They kept asking for deliverance because the circumstances left them hopeless and overcome in an unbearable set of circumstances. We've got to begin to see the unbearable things in life and not be comfortable. Listen, here's the lesson. As long as the overwhelming circumstances are there, keep praying. As long as you're in that that, that stronghold is still in your life, keep praying. In the overwhelming circumstances of life, our response is a revelation of our faith. It shows what we really believe. 
When we give up, we really say, God, you can't do anything about this. Uh, we, it really says, God, you really don't love me. You're not really always with me. You, know, you don't really love me. Because, God, if you did, you know, you'd take care of this already. No. Faith says, God, I know you love me. I know you're with me. I know you see these circumstances, and I know these circumstances are not your will. I know the enemy has his hand in these circumstances, and I am not giving up until the victory has been shown to me in every practical way possible. Today, we need to remember our call to stand on the promises of God. Now, I'm going to give you this morning just just a, a couple of practical steps for an overcomer. Here's the first one. Set an appointment with God every day to pray about that one thing. This isn't just to go and, you know, ask to get better gas mileage. This isn't about going and asking for the kids to talk a little less or for your wife to be more sensitive. This this is a time that you say, you know, every morning at 7 o'clock, every morning at 6 o'clock, every night at 10 o'clock, I'm going to set 10 minutes aside, 15 minutes aside, and I'm going to come before God with one thing. God, I'm here to talk to you about my lost son. God, I'm here to talk to you about my friend trapped in an addiction. Friend, God, I'm here to talk to you uh, uh, about this sin that keeps besetting my life. I'm here to talk to you about this wound that's deep in my heart that I need healed from. I'm here to talk to you about our country. And I'm coming, I'm going to set this appointment. Now, I would tell you, here's the second part of it. Set a length of time and keep it. Okay, God, every morning I'm getting up at 7, I'm spending the first five minutes asking you for this one thing. I'm going, to take, I'm going to take my prayer time. I'm going to worship you for a few minutes, but then I'm going to take five minutes. I'm going to take 10 minutes, and I'm going to set the clock on it. I am not going to stop. I'm, I'm going to spend that 10 minutes with my mind and my heart focused on one thing. I want deliverance from this thing. I want freedom from this thing. Now, let me tell you what's going to happen as you do that, as you, as you think about that one thing. One, you need to, as you set that length of time and you make that promise to God that you'll be there every day, you're going to learn to pray better and better about that. We're going to talk more about that in the next couple of weeks. Now, here's the third thing you do in that prayer time. Ask God in that prayer time to show you the promises of his word for your situation. God, what do you promise me about this? What do you say about this because see it's in those promises that your faith is going to be built the holy spirit remember what we talked about last week the holy spirit is here to teach us the holy spirit is with us to remind us and so in that those those five or ten or fifteen minutes whatever you set aside with god to pray about that one thing one of the things you're asking god to do is god show me your promises Because, God, I'm going to stand on your promises. 
You want to take into that prayer time the promises of God. God, here's what you say about this. I'm standing on this. I'm asking you to do this. I am believing your word for this. I am standing and I'm not giving up because God, I trust you. I believe your word. No matter what the enemy tries to say to me, no matter what the enemy tries to whisper in my ear, no matter how hopeless he wants me to feel, God, I trust you. My faith is in you. Show me your promises. The other thing I'll tell you to do is talk to others who would care about your issue. So, you, you know, you're a husband, you've got a son that's not living for God, you, you talk to your wife, okay, we need to be praying for this. Let's, let's, let's pray together occasionally. Let's pray. I'm going to be praying every day. I'm going to get up every day. I'm going to set a time every day to pray for our son. I'm going to set a time every day to pray for them. I'm going to do this day in and day out. I'm not going to give up until I see movement, the movement of God in their life. Talk to your family that loves God. Talk to your C2 group. Talk to people in your church. Get people agreeing with you for a breakthrough in that, in that area. And number five, don't give up until you see change. Listen, you are not helpless. You may feel overcome. You are called to make a difference. Persevering prayer is the game changer. When you determine, I'm going to stay at this if it takes 400 years. I'm going to keep praying for the movement of God. You know, as I prepared for this message, I, I thought about giving you cards and having you write those hopeless things you know, that, that we all face. Listen, I have them. I have things in my life that seem like, God, I can't change this. You've got to change it. it, it I think if you're looking around at all, you've got some. If you're not, you need to be dancing because you're in living and you're at the mountaintop and rejoice. I thought about having you write them down and bring them down to the altar, but I, I really felt checked about this because here's what I want you to capture. I, I don't want you to get the impression today that one prayer is going to change your circumstances in the hopeless issues of life. It's spraying at one time. It's going to change everything. I, I don't want you to get that impression. Here's the victory point. The victory, has to be, the victory has been won, but faithfulness has to be applied. You've got some addiction, addiction issue in your life. You've got some sin issue in your life. You want victory over it. Listen, you've got some healing. Faithfulness has to be applied. You've got to become faithful to this thing. Now think about it. Think about the day when like Israel, when you win the victory and you are free. We see it at the end of this story when Israel is finally free from Egypt. They've crossed the Red Sea. The enemy has been defeated. They know they will never see that enemy again. That's the word of the scripture. It says you'll never see them again. This enemy's not coming against them again. They've won the victory. And you know what happens? A song and a dance rises up inside that communion. They sing and they dance and they worship God and they celebrate because they're free. Listen, God's telling us 
a day of freedom can come. A day of deliverance can come. A day that will make you want to sing and dance and shout with joy and you'll realize it's God who has moved in my hopeless situation. It's too overwhelming for me. But it wasn't too overwhelming for God. And when you begin to pray, listen, you're going to begin to dream. In just a moment, I want to talk to you again about those who are unsure about your relationship with God and give you a chance to come and make sure you're right, you are right with God. Then Ben's going to come up and and, uh, we're going to have our altar workers come down. And we're going to take a few minutes and just celebrate who God is. And as, as they do that, if you have any need at all in your life, we want you to come down for prayer. But especially, especially today, if you're really, you know, if you really feel led today because of a burden that you're overwhelmed, come and have somebody agree with you today about that one thing. You may not feel the need to come. You just may need to know, hey, I've got to dig in and start praying. I've got to set a time to talk with God. I'm going to let this thing really sink into my life. And I'm going to become an overcomer with the help of God. Now, for those, those of you sitting here, listen, Jesus went to the cross for a reason. He didn't go to the cross and die on the cross because all of us are, you know, if we just try a little bit and we're good enough people, we'll make it to heaven. Jesus went to the cross, gave his blood on the cross because we were trapped in an overwhelming and a helpless situation. We were trapped in a sin nature that all of our good works, all of our effort could not fix. We were trapped in a situation of slavery to sin that was going to leave us condemned before a holy God. That if we went and stay, when, we, when the day comes when we stand before that God, it would be a moment of condemnation instead of a moment of victory. Jesus came. God sent his son into those overwhelming circumstances to die on the cross for you and me, to pay the price for our sin, where the enemy had us trapped in slavery and captured and separated from God, he came to break the chains of that slavery to give us the opportunity to walk back into a relationship with a loving heavenly father. He paid the price. He won the victory. All I have to do is put my faith and my trust in Jesus. Amen? But hear me. Jesus said, you must be born again. That is a work of the Spirit in your life that reconnects you with the power of God in your life. That happens when you receive him into your life as your Lord and as your Savior. Let's stand together today and let's pray.
Father, right now, I just pray for anyone in this room who's, who's just not certain about that. Maybe, or maybe, Father, they're certain that they haven't done that. And they need to get their heart right with you. They need to, they need to trust you to overcome in this situation of their life today to set them free. I pray in Jesus' name that you touch every heart that is in that place today for your glory. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you'll just say, Pastor, that's, that's me. I want to make sure my heart's right with God today. I'm not sure it is. Will you pray for me? Just raise your hand right now and say, Pastor, pray for me. I'm going to take you for just a minute here to look across this room. Anyone here today, you'll raise your hand and say, Pastor, that's me. I want to give my, make sure my heart's right with God. Lord, in Jesus' name. Father, we think of all the people in Springfield, Illinois, in Central Illinois, that are far from you. Father, our friends, our loved ones who are far from you, our neighbors, our co-workers who are far from you. Father, I pray you'd put a burden in our hearts to take on those overwhelming circumstances. Father, to reach out to them, to love them, to pray for them. Father, to invite them into your house until, Father, they would come into there and then let this be a place where every person that comes into it whose heart's not right with you would feel your convicting spirit upon their life to draw them to salvation. Lord, we want to see salvations in every service. We want to see them in every setting. For we know the church is called, your son came to rescue the perishing. Do this for us in Jesus' name. Amen. Listen, if you want to make sure, certain of your life in Christ, I'm going to be standing right down over here in the next few moments. Come on down, see me. And we'll make sure you get somebody to talk to you. God bless you today. Let's worship the Lord.